0: He'd been healing sick people, so crowds began to follow him in droves. Understandably, Jesus had become popular by the beginning of John's sixth chapter. So he uses this moment in his ministry to clarify who he really is and what truly is on offer from God through him to all people kind of like a moment when all the the billboards and the radio ads and the social media memes and commercials and word of mouth has finally brought you to enter a new marketplace. Maybe it's a store, maybe it's a restaurant or whatever, you've heard about it and now you're there. It's a crucial moment. Now that you're there, you ask or you seek out how it feels, does the place feel like somewhere I can do business? like a place where I can trust these people. Is this place for me? And for thousands, they find themselves in the presence of Jesus for the first time, but they don't receive a sales pitch. Jesus instead gives them an experience of what He does. He doesn't just say what He does. He gives them an experience of what He does, of what He says, and what it could all mean to them. What is the experience? Well, it was a miraculous feeding where over 5,000 people are provided for with such abundance that there are leftovers. The response of the huge crowd to this experience was they all start looking at each other and they say, oh yeah, this guy's the real deal. Get him! They want to make him their king. But Jesus, of course, isn't interested in sitting on some worldly throne wielding tribal power responsible for only Israel's health, wealth, and happiness. So Jesus scrams. But the lesson he's in the midst of teaching is nowhere near complete. And when they catch up with each other again the next day, the crowds are just as hungry in this moment as they were yesterday. Jesus had given them an experience of spiritual food and spiritual drink, sustenance for life beyond life. But in chasing him down to be their king, to do what they thought was a magic trick, again, to be what they wanted him to be, the crowds are exposing how deeply they don't get it at all yet. So Jesus continues to teach them. Believe, he says, in the one whom God has sent. And believe here isn't only done in one's head, because sometimes we think belief is a head thing. Belief in the Gospel of John is something done with one's feet. Follow me, entrust your lives to me is what Jesus is saying. Why should we is basically their question and his answer is because I am the bread of life. John chapter 6 is the bread of life chapter. The Gospel up to this point has given context for how chapter 6 starts. And there's lots more of John's gospel, of course, after chapter 6, but chapter 6 itself is as clear as John's gospel gets at clarifying who Jesus is and what is on offer from God through Jesus to all people. He has not come to be Israel's king, nor a magician, or simply a chef to feed people. The Word has become flesh as John's first chapter declares. So, so that Jesus can be the bread of life for the world. Because those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. That's how our text for today begins. And that sentence, this abiding, it's a world changer. Believe in this Jesus, trust in him, follow his ways, eat his body, drink his blood, and there is, capital I and capital S, there is a holy communion and abiding to be had between God, the one true God, source of all life, and little old you, little old us. It's been a multi-day immersion experience with Jesus, giving the crowds plenty of time to really internalize what Jesus is claiming. And to their credit, by verse 60 in chapter 6, it seems like they've really heard him. They've come into the Jesus showroom, and they thought he was going to show them some shiny new things. Political power, military might, at least a way to get ahead in this life. But they've really heard him, that he has not come to give them a better life. The Word has become flesh instead to sustain them in a life beyond life, starting right now, a true life right now, a life that is eternal and concerns itself not with the temporary things that we all haggle about, the buzzwords of our day, but a life beyond life that concerns itself with timeless things, Grumbling bellies, occupying armies, political questions, keeping old traditions that don't grow God's people closer to God, these are problems and practices that will all fade away. They'll die, and they don't really matter. Jesus is talking about living beyond all that stuff. Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life for all, that he may abide in all who believe, and they may abide in Him. But do they want that? You know, they came into the showroom because the healing that Jesus had been doing piqued their interest. They all know people who are suffering. They want this kind of power. They want to use this kind of power. But now that they've experienced the full presentation, they understand that Jesus isn't offering a product that they can take home, use when they feel like it, and then put it away safely in a drawer when they feel like that. Jesus is offering himself always, all the time, in all places, and that feels like a lot. Understanding what exactly Jesus is offering, many of his disciples, according to John, many say this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Which feels kind of tough. You know, Jesus has just put Himself out there. He hasn't just used words to describe what a relationship with Him can do. He's offered an experience of Himself feeding these crowds. He's given them a taste of how able He is to meet their needs with abundance, going beyond necessity and into life beyond life. And yet the response of many of the people who were following him, is this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Which is honest, because I think they thought they might be able to get something out of this Jesus for free, for doing nothing, at no cost to their own lives. But that's not how true life, that's not how life beyond life works. Jesus is not a vending machine that kick him hard enough and he's going to spit out something you want. He's not a lottery ticket to cash where we do nothing but buy the ticket and win eternal life. Jesus is God become human. The Word become flesh. And just as I would be insulting my wife if I just made a list of things I thought a wife should do, that make my life better, and then never actually participate in any mutually sacrificial relational practices, well, we insult God if we just expect God to do God things for me, make my life better without me having to truly participate in an every-moment relationship back. God does not stoop down from the heavenly places, become human, and live on this earth, and then die as a criminal. To simply ask, for us to simply ask, so do I get to go to heaven when I die? As if it's all about me and that death moment when I admit I'm not going to have full control. The Word becomes flesh to enter into this out-of-control life we live. Because we're never in control. Jesus promises to be our daily bread so that whatever this life throws at us, No matter what happens today or tomorrow, whether it's cancer or a new baby or an earthquake or peace like a river, the Word becomes flesh so that we would abide in Him and Him in us always, through all of it, for forever. God does not offer a one-time transaction through Jesus or even a five-time punch card God offers transformation, which is an ongoing project. And so many of the disciples who had crowded in are now saying, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Is transformation what we want? Jesus all up in our lives all the time? I mean, I know they need transformation, but me? How about you? This gospel wants your answer. There's a few moments in this gospel when you as a reader are brought to this question. Are you in or are you out? Will you allow yourselves to be transformed or are you good? Since you're here, my guess is there's a part of you that at least says, I want to be in. I want to accept this difficult teaching, but... Speaking for myself, at least, sometimes I feel like one of the crowd complaining. I mean, each week here in worship, I confess some level of rejection, if not complete betrayal. I too often am guilty myself of wanting to get something from God for not much or nothing at all. Just make stuff right, God. How about that? Clear up the storms, soften hearts, make the world around me better. And may I be so bold as to ask for a few healings for people I care about because that really is hard. Too often I'm not dwelling in the Word become flesh, grateful for the peace and mercy and joy of Jesus to abide in me and as I abide in Him, living with vision that sees through eyes that know that this is not all there is, thanks be to God, that there is life beyond life. The eternal touches all our temporary and quiets my discontent. That's not always where I am. I don't do that nearly as often as I pray something like, hey, God, fix that, because I know you can. This teaching is difficult, that Jesus is simply the bread of life, inviting us into a transformational relationship that is ongoing, a relationship that will transform me From much that is already comfortable and happy, blind to injustice, carefree about issues that don't affect me, abiding in Jesus will have me see and know and care about others. And that will be hard. This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? I believe you want to say, I accept it. But maybe you aren't sure how. So here's my best pastoral advice on how to accept this difficult teaching. Don't try to do it by yourself. Don't try to accept a relationship with Jesus all by yourself. I mean, how many tasks and experiences must we do and have before we figure out that lifestyles, life choices, things we do, things we stand for, they are best done and sometimes only done in groups? Want to break an addiction? Data shows you're far more likely to become whole again with the help of a mentor, a friend, an accountability partner, and a group. Same thing for weight loss and Regular exercise, and shoot, I couldn't have passed high school physics without a study group every morning. Following Jesus, being transformed from a sinner to a saint, this is not only individual work. Yes, there are moments when it's just Jason and Jesus, for sure, but those moments in my relationship with God only happen because of moments I also have with Jesus and Carla and other moments with Jesus and my grandparents. And other moments with Jesus and some of you at family camp or play days at Sugar Creek or weekly worship. I've had some beautiful moments with God, just me and God for sure. But Jesus knew right away to not just call one disciple at a time. He called a pair of brothers and then another pair till he had 12 followers in total and the group only got bigger from there. And then there were churches And there always have been ever since. And that's how following Jesus still works. It is difficult. Who can accept it? Us, together. What do I say at the end of every worship service for the last couple months? Go in peace. You are the body of Christ. And then you say, thanks be to God. Well, I'm not talking to any of you individually It's a you, plural. I, Jason, am not the body of Christ all by myself. That would be weird. Together we are, and we are of the full body of Christ, over a billion, maybe two billion. Together we can accept the difficult teachings of Jesus that are harder than we'd like sometimes, that move us to complain sometimes that are outside our imagination sometimes and make us want to disbelieve or even reject it. Even amidst our individual feelings of frustration, no one of us accepts the fullness of Jesus' teachings alone. We leave this room in peace each week, we claim to, because together we are the body of Christ, despite all the noise outside this room. So here's my encouragement at the end of this five-week journey through John chapter 6, be faithful about how you spend your time, which means think about who you are spending your time with. Because these teachings of Jesus are difficult. Accepting them, remembering the joy and peace Jesus offers can be hard to do if we're not regularly returning to our place in the body of Christ, surrounding ourselves with others who are also struggling to accept and follow these difficult teachings. We most obviously share time with others in Christ here in worship. So yes, I'm arguing for regular worship from all our members. But we can also do that when we meet in small groups, as we teach or learn in Sunday school, as we show up to a sibling in Christ's game or play or event, whatever it is, as we write a card or make a call, when we make ourselves absent from each other, if we only spend time with those who actively reject life beyond life, well then it's going to be easy for one of us to forget that we are still being transformed, that no matter what's happening in our lives, Jesus abides in us and we in him. Thanks be to God. Amen.